Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. How do you begin to have victory in an area where you've been defeated previously? How do you have victory over the things that have had dominion over you previously? You just begin to walk in obedience to the word and you find this. As you walk in obedience to the word, God will empower your steps. He empowers the steps that you're taking in obedience. Sometimes we're waiting for, I'm waiting to feel different. You ain't gonna feel different. You gotta do different. I'm waiting for God. I wanna feel a warm fuzzy. I didn't feel anything yet. You know, I want I want a prayer where I feel zapped. You know, God's like, that's not how it works. As Christians, we all have sin in our life that presents itself time and time again. Oftentimes, when it comes back to bite us, in today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that no matter where you're at in your sin or how many times you've asked God for deliverance from it, He wants you to call upon His name. You don't have to dust yourself off or try to fix things on your own before coming to His presence. God simply wants you to follow Him in obedience and accept His gift of grace. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There's still a heart of submission that we would have um, and that we should have and maintain. But I just want to say that that's important because um, at this time, God's like, I'm still getting ready to deliver. And uh, it, it would have been great if Barak would have said, amen, the Lord spoke, I'm going. But he didn't. And I just want you to know that the word, the work didn't stop uh, at, at, at him. God was like, OK, we're going to keep it moving. And um, look at verse eight, and nine with me. And Barak said to her again, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And what he's saying is, I will not obey God lest you come to. That's never OK for anybody, any believer. We obey God because we're subservient to him. Because he's the Lord and we're subservient. We do what God says, do no matter what. Amen. So verse nine. Now she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Cater. So she said, you know what? I'll go with you. But there's going to be no glory for you in this. Um, because you didn't just go at the word of the Lord. There'll be no glory for you in this. God's going to end up delivering what the, the victory you should get. God's going to have a woman do what you should do. Now, again, I read that and I say that that's a, it's a shame for him. But I, I again, it's a shame for him. That's him over here. I'm looking at the ladies that step up and I'm saying for them, it speaks, you know, that 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 they weren't. They, they were going to obey the Lord no matter what. And so the woman in question, the woman's going to end up doing it. It's not Deborah herself. It's a woman named J.L. And so we'll see that as we continue to the story. Now, let me share a misappropriation of this story that's common. Um, and, I, and I hope I'm going to open up a can of worms on a Wednesday night for y'all, but we're going to go ahead and open up the can of worms. So um, in the New Testament, with regard to those who should be pastors of a church, um, that's a role and that's a position that God has set aside for men. Um, some people have a problem with that. Some people disagree with that. It, it really doesn't matter. If God had said, I want five-year-olds to do it, that's what God had said. You know, it's whatever God says, he's the Lord. And so over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you're writing notes, you can write this down. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, Paul laying out the roles of men and women in the church 
uh, earlier in, in the chapter, he talked about how God wants men everywhere to be raising up holy hands that um, men should be leading in prayer uh, within the fellowship. And then as he comes down to women in, in verse uh, nine and 10, he says that they should adorn themselves in modest apparel. And, you know, I, 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 I trip on some of the stuff I read where he's like, they, women shouldn't be dressed in a way that's like all eyes on me, you know, gold and expensive jewelry. And in that culture, braided hair. Um, not today. Today, if you got braided hair, it's common. But in that culture, if you have braided hair, that meant you had paper. So someone walked with braided hair and everybody's like, wow, look at her. And God says, that's that's not when, when we come to church, because women can present themselves in a way where everybody looks They're like, whoa, look at that. Look again, you know, so God said, don't do that. You know, so if you look in the mirror, if you if you're trying to make sure on your way to church, you got your papa. Um, that's not <laughs> that's not your Sunday, you know, outfit, you know, so. Um, but they should be, you know, modest apparel that they should, um, you know, they should they should look like women that are professing verse 10, professing godliness with good works. But here it is. He says, let the woman learn with silence, uh, with all submit in silence, with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now, again, when he says um, to be in silence, God's not saying that women don't speak, that women don't have a role. The only thing that God is saying that a woman can't do in a in a body of believers is she's not going to be over the men. She's not going to be the minister to men. Women can teach. Women can prophesy. Um, there's women ministries. Women teach kids. Um, women, you know, pr- prophetic gifts. Someone can prophesy. If someone has a word from the Lord, that's not a matter of, of sex or whatever. Just the ongoing ministry of overseeing and, 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 and having leadership. God said that's not for a lady. He said, don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. And, you know, the, I actually met with a woman pastor, the church on Imperial. And um, I had met the pastor there and then I went by there to, to, to talk to him one day. And um, he was not able to meet with me, but he, had, he said, I got one of my other assistant pastors want to meet with you. And a lady came. And so she came out and we had this whole conversation. So I thought, who best to ask? Like, what do you think these verses mean? But then a woman pastor. So I said, so what? How do you deal with these verses? You know, these verses say that a woman is, is not to teach men. And she was actually preparing to teach Bible study that night. And so I'm like, so what do you what do you do with that? She says, well, you know, we believe that that was, you know, that that some people say that Paul was chauvinistic. And so, you know, they eliminate the fact that the scriptures are inspired by God. And they're like, oh, no, that was just Paul who was a chauvinistic. And he said that. And now we disregard it. That's that's wrong. You know, way to study the Bible. You know, you that you thought everything Paul says then, you know, well, he was chauvinistic, you know, no, he had a bad attitude when he said that, you know, he was lazy when he said that, you know, he was, he, he lacked courage when he said, don't hit back, you know, like you just, you could just undo all of scripture, you know, and then the other one, this is maybe the more common, she said, you know, that was a more of a cultural thing and that culture, that's how it was. And so, um, I love how the scripture flows because God says this goes all the way back to creation. Um, in the same text, right after he says that, he says, for Adam was first, formed first, then the woman. And if you go back to Genesis and read it, God made man, um, put him in the garden. Um, Genesis 2, 17 or so, 16, 17, God told Adam to tend it and to keep it. He had a job. God said, uh, the fruit in the midst of the garden, don't eat it. And then comes Genesis 2, 18. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him, not a leader not a master, not a boss. I make him a helper. I'm I'm going to give him a wife to come alongside and help him in the mission that I've given him. And so God put him to sleep, took out his rib, fashioned a woman, put them together, gave him the first rules, and bam, they were there in the garden. 
And so God says, look, from the very beginning, I never intended for a woman to lead a man. I gave her to men to come alongside. They're going to work as a team. And so men, you give way to your wife. She's your teammate. She works with you guys work together. You're better with her. You need, you know, God gives a man a helper. It's because brothers need help. And so you don't disregard the help that they bring. We, we work together. But at the end of the day, God says, you know, I put the man to lead the woman to, to be submitted to her husband. That's 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 throughout the New Testament, you know, throughout Scripture. So then then he said this. Never. It says, um, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So he adds there. They both fell, but they fell for different reasons. The woman was literally tricked by the devil into eating of the forbidden fruit. Adam wasn't tricked. He just sinned willfully. But God said there's a distinction there. You know, she the first time a woman took a leadership where she led a man was in Genesis and she led him into sin. And God said, for that reason, if you go back and read the Genesis account, when God gave out the punishment to the woman, he told her, he said, from now on, because of what you did, there's going to be pain in childbirth, which means that before the fall, I, I guess that childbirth was not painful. Sorry, ladies. I, mean, it's a, I guess it was just before the fall, it would have been, you know, it, it had been a happy, happy day. You know, now it's, women be dreading the day and getting epidurals and all kind of shots and stuff like that. Um, not many sober women in the, in the, in the, in the pregnancy room, you know. So, um, so that's one, that was one of the issues. But he said now, he says, he said this in Genesis 3, he says, and your desire will be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. And that word desire doesn't mean that you're going to want him. And, you know, he gonna, he's, it's, you're going to want to lead him, but he's going to rule over you. God says part of the one of the parts of the curse, the fall, is that you're going to want to be you're going to want to get in front of him and lead him. But that's not how it's going to work. It's going to be a tension that exists as a result of the fall. And so um, so for the New Testament, we should understand that um, the only one thing God says, just like in the garden, the one thing God said, don't do everybody want to do it. You know, don't eat that tree. How come I can't have that tree? That don't seem right. It seemed like it's keeping something good for me. The one thing God says a woman can't do, the only one thing in a church setting is she can't lead a man. Now imagine this. God tells a wife in a marriage and a marriage to submit to her husband, right? So let's say my wife was a pastor here and I was, you know, serving. So when we came to church, do I submit to her at church? And then she submits to me at home? How does that work? Can that work? Can't work. Like I you know, that that it, it just breaks down in many places. So God said, look, that's 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 my call. So some people like to go to Deborah and say, look, look, Deborah, that's that's Deborah. Now, Deborah, was Deborah a pastor? No, Deborah was a judge. Deborah was a prophetess. Deborah was a you know, the Lord was using her. All, all, all those things. We don't have judges today, but in all those other areas, women can be used today just the same. Can a woman prophesy? Absolutely. I had a woman prophesy to me. Biblically and accurate and a, a prophecy that came to pass that was a word from the Lord. And I was thankful. I was thankful for her openness and for her willingness to speak what God showed her. And so uh, I just want to point that out because th this is one of those where where we should look at this and say, man, this is when a, this is this is an example of a woman who in a time when a man was just not stepping up. God said, I'm going to use you then. And she was available and she was a, she believed the word of the Lord and she obeyed the word of the Lord. And she was exhorting this man to get going. Like, come on, dude. And we're going to see that she she goes with him and she ends up encouraging him to go ahead and step out. The Lord actually uses her to cause him to do what's right. And so it shouldn't be that way. He should have went at the word of the Lord, but he needed a push from Deborah and she gave it to him. God bless her. Verse 10, it says, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men. So to Barak's credit, 
after the exhortation from Deborah and her promise to go with him, he does go ahead and move forward. And I got to say to his credit, because he could have some people with all the encouragement in the world, they still don't do. They still decide. No. So I'm saying at least him, even though he didn't start out right, even though he didn't go, we would have liked to see him step out as lightning and just go at the word of the Lord. At least at this point, he does go ahead and go. And I, I, I want to credit him for that. And, you know, he's highlighted in Hebrews 11 where I'm reading the actual story saying I'm not that impressed. But you read Hebrews 11 and it says, you know, it was time would fail me to tell the stories of and it starts naming these people in Barak. God is so merciful. He still did operate in faith. It just took him a minute. And so uh, I, I want to give the brother the credit that the Bible gives him. So verse 11 now says, now Heber, the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zanim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, had, uh, Barak the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Herosheth Hegoim to the river Kishon. Now, I should explain this, that the 900 chariots of iron is what made him so devastating. In that culture, chariots alone meant you had a, a, a very strong uh, military force. Chariots of iron meant that much more. That would have been equivalent to tanks. Um, the difference between foot soldiers and tanks in that era of military warfare. And so with 900 chariots of iron, didn't nobody want to see him. Didn't nobody want to go to battle with him. Nobody wanted to bother with him because they could come in. They could move fast. They got chariots of iron. They're protected. They're covered. And they could be just just killing people while moving along the way. And so uh, it made them a military might that everybody was afraid of and didn't want to have a problem with. And so um, that's probably why he was scared, probably why he was afraid. Uh, it looked like this is this is more than I can handle. Um, and he's having to be exhorted. And so look at verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, up. And I wrote that. I, I put, it's an exclamation point after that. She said, up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And I just want to point out again, she has to yell to him, up, oh, let's go. Come on. She's the one exhorting. Come on, let's go. And then she prophesies, this is the day. This Today is the day that God's going to do it, right? How does she know that? Um, and again, I want to speak on the prophetic ministries because there's some bogus prophetic ministries today. Um, I want you to note this about the prophetic word, the legitimate prophetic word. I want you to note how specific it is. I want you to note that there's a time frame on it, that she says what God is going to do and when he's going to do it. So it can be proven relatively quickly. Um, a lot of prophetic ministries today, are just some guy will walk around and tell you, God's going to bless you. This is going to be your year. You're going to get your breakthrough. You're going to have this. You're going to get that. This is going to happen if you, if you, if you sow that seed, if you believe big enough, if your faith is right enough. And it, 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 somehow it is, there's enough room left for you to mess it up. I just want you to know what she says. Get up because today is the day God's going to deliver them in our hands. No, if you go, no, if you do what's right, because the prophetic word speaking from God's perspective, God knows what he's going to do, doesn't he? God knows that he's going to go. So God don't have to give a word to say, I'm a blessed today if you obey me. God knows if you're going to obey him or not. He can speak. He can speak today 
You know, God can speak today with clarity about tomorrow. He knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. There's nothing he doesn't know. And so God's prophetic words don't have to have these um, these conditions upon them. Um, he can speak with clarity. And so I say that, that we would be cautious about receiving a lot of those things. I mean, there I think for some people it's exciting and it seems, you know, I've, I'm always I always trip out at how rare in the prophetic gatherings where these people are paid to come in how rare there's any anything corrective. Uh, and I'll look at some of these places, I'm like, with that many people, I can only imagine the sin that exists. God ain't concerned about none of that. God's only concerned with you, you know, all the stuff that people want to hear, you know? And so you got thousands of people like hoping that he comes and speaks over them a blessing, you know, about what they're going to get. And uh, we should just be careful, you know? Having said that, right, there's a legitimate prophetic word. And I think what the enemy does is he throws out that phony baloney. So that some people shut off to the whole thing. They're like, I don't come with me with that. That's crazy. I don't want to hear any of it. And I think we have to find that place where, you know, uh, we judge these things. We judge them by scripture uh, because there are still times where God may choose to speak supernaturally to us prophetically through somebody. And again, I've been very encouraged at several junctures, several times in my life where a word from the Lord that's really from the Lord has come through a person and has encouraged my heart. You know, has given me clarity. Uh, I find this too, just like the prophetic word that came from Deborah to Barak, where she says, "Have not God already told you to go?" When a, when a word is really from the Lord, it'll be confirming. It won't be some ransom thing. I, I, God never said that to me before. Many times you get a word, a, 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 a prophetic word, and it's confirming. How did that? God's been talking to me about that and talking about, it. and now that person came and said, now. I know that's the Lord. You know, it's just confirming what God's already been speaking. Sometimes God's been speaking and we're trying to discern it. That really, God, am I tripping? Am I believing? The Lord? And God will bring a word and, and just confirm what he said. But I ain't never had a prophetic word come to me where God said something to me that was totally foreign. And the, the one time I did, it was because it was not from the Lord. It was like, that's foreign. I never heard that before. I don't even I don't. And I started looking for it to happen. Like maybe 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 I'm missing something. You know, I, I don't want to miss nothing God is really doing. But I'm like, no, nah, that, that thing. This many years later, that just was never from the Lord. You know, I'd have called that brother up. So, so moving on. Verse 15, it says, and so she, she tells him, up, get up, let's go. And uh, verse 16, it says, and the Lord rooted Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. And so God is already involved. God's going to be the one to give them the victory. God rooted the chariots the way that they needed to go. Sisera is the leader. He's the one that needs to, that, that they need to capture and get. And he realizes that things are not going well in the battle. So he gets off on foot and he takes off. It says in verse 16, but Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth had and all the army of Sisera, Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. So they slaughtered the entire army. Everybody died. I mean, they had a, they had an awesome victory there. And I, I think it's important to note with every victory we see in Scripture, that victory didn't come at the hand of Barak and his team. It wasn't because they were so strong. It wasn't because they had so much faith. It was because God said he was going to do it. And as they stepped out in obedient faith, God did what he said he would do. Much like our lives, there are things that there are victories that God wants us to have that we only need to step out for them. God's like, I, I said I would do it. And if you would just step out in obedience, if you would just believe me for it, for it, believe me and, and walk in the way I tell you to walk, God said, I, I would do it. There are things that God wants to do. And I believe 
with regard to, you know, there's there may be areas of your life where you're like, man, I really want a victory here. Like, how do you begin to have victory in an area where you've been defeated previously? How do you have victory over the things that have had dominion over you previously? You just begin to walk in obedience to the word. And you find this as you walk in obedience to the word, God will empower your steps. He empowers the steps that you're taking in obedience. Sometimes we're waiting for I'm waiting to feel different. You ain't gonna feel different. You got to do different. I'm waiting for God. I want to feel a warm fuzzy. I didn't feel anything yet. You know, I want I want a prayer where I feel zapped. You know, God's like, that's not how it works. You just start stepping different and you'll find that, wow, with each step that, I, that I'm choosing to obey God, God's empowering my ability to keep making those steps. And before you know it, you'll be way down the street looking back at an old version of you having victory, not because you're awesome, but because God's faithful. And so Barrett gets his victory because he did go. He went. He went in faith. He went in obedience. Even though he had to be prodded and pushed and exhorted by Deborah, he went. And because he went, because he stepped out, because he went and he took what God said, take, he's having the victory. And so verse 17, it says, however, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So we have another situation here where there's a man and a woman situation, a little different. J- now, I, I got to explain the area that they're from, Jael and Heber. They're in an area of Israel where it's a Bedouin community. It's a Bedouin area. And for you guys that maybe don't know what that is, I, I went to Israel. and I, I actually stayed two nights at a Bedouin um, area, and it's, they still function like this today. So the Bedouins are a group of people that actually live outside um, they're they're trackers. They're they're used when if you're looking for a, somebody went through our town. These were the people that would hop on camels and go track them down and find them. That was their That's what they're known for. That's their gift today in Israel. They're, they still live in outdoor tent areas. You'll just see, you know, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, the, the ears for, you know, TV or whatever sticking out. But they're they live in outdoor tents in this way. Now, in this community. These are wrong. These are wrong things. These are not Christian or believer practice, but this is what they would practice that the men in these communities and the men that were over the Bedouin communities, each of these guys over their lifetime would take four wives. Um, The first wife they would pick, they would look for a strong wife, Um, (laughs) a big biceps or a, a big back or something. But in this it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. But in this community, they, the women would set up and tear down the tents. They did all, they do all the physical labor. And I kid you not, the men sit around, they drink this really nasty coffee um, until they go out on their ventures and come back. The women do everything. They cook, they set up and all the things that you would look at. Anybody ever seen a, a guy in a car with a girl and a girl pumping gas and you like, I, I, I wouldn't said something before. I'm like, man, that's, that's I just make me sick, man. I'm like, you need, you sit down and have him get out and pump that gas, man. Anyway, uh, unless he's handicapped and he can't get out, that's, that's unacceptable. Don't do that mess, you know. But in this area, that's what it's like. It's uh, it's it's not a right thing. And so, so there'd be the first wife would be a strong one, then a second one for children, and the, uh, you know, I forget the third one. The fourth one was and for your old age, and she was simply for looks and pleasure, whatever. She didn't do any work, and that was. You know, that was how they do their thing. They actually make fun of American weddings or American marriages um, for other reasons. I won't get into all that. So um, here's the point. J.L. is 
Probably the wife, she's the wife, she probably takes care of the tent and all this kind of stuff, set it up, tearing it down. And that would have been probably something that she was doing uh, there. Now, her husband has a an alliance with this pagan leader that's coming. He's friends with this guy. He shouldn't be, but he is. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington with a transforming word. We know you didn't have to come today to hear from the book of Judges. You could have easily switched channels or moved on with your day, doing other things. But you did choose to tune in, and for that, we're grateful. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Los Angeles, California. If you found these messages helpful and encouraging, why not listen to more? You can find these teachings at calvaryinglewood.org. Just look under the teaching tab. You can also download our mobile app to have these messages with you wherever. Another resource on our website is a daily Bible reading plan that might interest you. You'll also find links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So head over to calvaryinglewood.org for all the information you need. And if you still haven't found what you're looking for, just call or text us. Our number is 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. If you're wondering about a way you could contribute to the ministry here at A Transforming Word, we greatly value your prayers and financial support if you feel led to do so. On calvaryinglewood.org, you'll find a Give tab that helps you know how to proceed. Thank you for your support. We hope you come back here next time as you quickly notice the effects of a transforming word.